Hello, welcome to New York City. A beatdown on a Saturday morning, beautiful day, and uh, no one seems to care as this man is attacked and robbed uh, about 9.30 in the morning on a Saturday in Brooklyn. Crime is out of control here and most likely in your community or a community near you. Why is this happening? It's obvious. I point my finger at the media and Black Lives Matter, the two of them together. They stigmatize cops, delegitimize cops, and glorified violence. It happened before all of our eyes, and we're living with the results. And it's really sad, and it was all avoidable. It was so refreshing, though, to see Donald Trump walk back into the public eye this weekend. Did you see uh, the big rally in Phoenix? There's a good chance you didn't. Newsmax carried it, but hardly anyone else did. Uh, and it's, quite frankly, hard to find on the Internet. Uh, they don't want you to hear what he's talking about. And what he's talking about needs to be said. And I tell this to people, I tell it to Republicans, and a lot of them are very good people, and they say, well, sir, uh, we have to get on to the future. Let me tell you, you're not going to have a future. First of all, our nation is being destroyed, but you're not going to have a future in 22 or 24 if you don't find out how they cheated with hundreds of thousands and even millions of votes because you won't win anything. You won't win anything. Election integrity is a totally legitimate issue. I've got questions and concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election, don't you? And they don't want us talking about it. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, they really don't want us talking about it, right, Mr. President? It's no wonder that Joe Biden and the radical Democrats are going absolutely crazy, screaming about voting rights, ranting about democracy. They want democracy and resisting every effort to look into the massive fraud in 2020. Just so you understand, you know, we talk about cancel culture. The biggest thing that they want canceled is they don't want you talking about the election that just took place because they say, holy <laughs> they caught us. They caught us. It's totally legitimate to talk about our concerns about the 2020 election. And you know what? If there is something there, if there is something that needs to be investigated, Mr. President, Donald Trump, he's not against democracy. It's the opposite. He's for it. He's protecting it. He's promoting it. Remember, I am not the one trying to undermine American democracy. I'm the one trying to save American democracy. I'm trying to save it. You think, you think about everything that we were misled about, um, Russia, his campaign in 2016, the Ukraine deal. We have been lied to so many times. Why wouldn't they lie to us about the election? Look, we have questions. We want them answered. It's totally, totally legitimate. Oh, he's definitely following current events, though. Uh, just because he's no longer president, he's still watching the news. Joe Biden and the radical Democrats are wrecking our nation. I don't even believe it's him. I, I honestly don't believe it. I don't think, I don't think Joe knows where the hell he is, you want to know that. I don't think it's him. Crime is surging, inflation is soaring, the border is gone. We went from the strongest border ever to the weakest border ever. The border is non-existent. Illegal aliens are pouring in in record numbers. Critical race theory is being forced into every facet of our society. Free speech is being crushed. Men are being allowed to compete in women's sports. How do you like that? 
That is pretty wild, isn't it? Uh, so he's all over everything. He gave the women's soccer team a hard time. I think they deserve it. And uh, there was this. Somebody said that if LeBron James ever decided to get the operation, how would he be? How would he be on the court? And by the way, LeBron James, you can have him. I think he's talking about a sex change operation. I think that's the opera, operation. That, I think he would be talking about that. Um, but overall, can you really argue with the president here and what he just outlined about uh, the border and uh, crime? No, this is, a, uh, this is a solid case he's making. And what about our position on the world stage? Our infrastructure is being hacked by foreign countries left and right. Thousands of rockets are being fired at Israel. And Joe Biden is allowing America to be pushed around and laughed at all over the world. This didn't happen when I was president. This didn't happen when I was president. It's true. You can feel it. And we had a different stature internationally with a strong leader. And presence, personality makes a difference. All right. Now, back to some oldies but goodies, but some new material. The president hit Hunter hard. But what about Hunter Biden getting a half a million dollars per painting and he never painted before? Could you imagine if my kids did that? Could you imagine? And now they're justifying it. Well, we want to make it uh, non-transparent. No, actually, you should make it transparent, I guess. But actually, you shouldn't make it at all because it's a bribe. It's a bribe, 100% bribe. I mean, totally. And there should be universal outrage about this. But... It's like a niche little sidebar of a story, if anything, for the mainstream. Also, how about that computer? And the laptop from hell. It's a laptop from hell. When you look at that laptop, people are writing about it, meaning a very tiny group of people are writing. Some books are coming out, some books by some very good people. But you know what? When you look at the laptop from hell and then you watch the interview, it was Russia that did his laptop. And then they say, was it Russia? Well, it may have been me. It may have been them. I think that's the end of that one. It's always Russia. Do you ever notice it's never China? Because they're all getting rich from China. They're not getting rich from Russia. It's always Russia. Russia, Russia did it. Russia. Russia did it again. All right. So uh, speaking of the laptop, uh, there's something circulating from the laptop. Now, first, Hunter you probably know by now, had a relationship with his dead brother's widow, Haley. There's Hunter, there's Haley shortly after Bo died, which was very, very sad. You're about to see uh, Hunter on a, I guess, a Zoom call with Haley, and uh, he seems to be smoking crack during the call and arguing. Uh, well, I think we should discuss that while you're there, okay, yeah. but why did you call me at 9 o'clock in the morning to tell me that? On the morning that the Marine Dowd article comes I out. Guess, I didn't know about Marine Dowd. Well, you did before I you started talking to me, You Alex. wouldn't attack me, that you would be a bit more humble. I did but not attack you. I was wrong, you. and it pissed me off. I didn't attack you. Okay, you said I'm going to use against you. No, I said to and you, then Hallie, you said I, haven't I don't want to give you information you about this program because okay. I'm afraid that you'll use right. it against me as not okay. being enough. I can't keep talking. We're going to go round and round. I'm not arguing, Hallie. I'm asking you. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I think we should schedule a visit and we'll talk with a the therapist. I'm not going to continue to argue and I don't want to talk and, and, and make things worse. 
Look, it's sad, but it's true. This stuff happened. The mainstream media, they ignore it. And you see this guy. We know what he was doing for his father. You've heard the allegations. And meanwhile, they were dragging Donald Trump Jr. to Capitol Hill to harass him. They were investigating Eric Trump. These are superb individuals. I know them personally. And this guy, off the hook, that's not fair. Back to the rally. Like it or not, we are becoming a communist country. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. We are beyond socialism. You know, when you have no press, when you have no press that you can talk to, that's how a communist country begins. They have no press. We find things in Arizona, and other than a couple of great networks, we have no press. We have no voice. He's right. You know, this rally, it's huge on a Saturday night. And uh, let's face it, he's a newsmaker. He may run for president. He's basically running the Republican Party, probably more than that. And the next day on the George Stephanopoulos show and all those silly fake uh, Sunday shows, they don't even mention it. They don't even mention it. Talk about a cover-up, huh? A little bit more from the president. Sadly... Even in many red states, the rhinos are letting the radical left have their way on everything. You know that. In, in fact, I have to say this. In many cases, these weak Republicans or rhinos, these weak Republicans are worse. They're worse than Democrats. I've heard that time and time again. And during that time, after Election Day, the Republican Party, even during the campaign, so many Republican apparatchiks, people in the party, were not there for him and were actually working against him. What a shame. And how dishonest of them. He wrapped up this way. And to the devoted citizens all across our country is so much greater than our opponents can even imagine. We are there. We have massive majorities and we're much stronger than them. Much stronger than them. We're much stronger than they are. Because unlike their agenda, our movement is not driven by the lust for control and domination of others. Our movement is driven by a love for America and an ironclad faith in the American people. I have that faith and you have that faith. We are not fighting for socialism, communism. We're not fighting for servitude. We're fighting for God, for country, and we're fighting for freedom. We know in our veins that our American inheritance was passed down to us by generations of patriots who gave everything they had, their sweat, their blood, and even their very lives to build America into the most powerful nation in the history of the world. And we are not going to let it be taken away from us by a small group of radical left Marxist maniacs. Wow, Marxist maniacs? And you know what? I'm not going to argue with that either. Let's take a look, shall we? Who do we have? Uh, all right, Mani Nancy, definitely in the maniac category. But think about this. If you think he just went too far there with the maniacs, uh, all these people, 
they don't have the cloud that this person does. This is the moral authority right now of the Democrat Party, AOC, and Maniac most certainly applies. We'll be right back with the continued exploitation of January 6th by the left. It's our America. We conquered it. We built it. Great values like honesty and fairness. Great courage. A great nation needs a free press. Newsmax is it. 30 million Americans regularly go to Newsmax when they really need to know. They watch Newsmax TV at home on the free Newsmax app. They go to Newsmax.com. Start today. Newsmax is real news for real people. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And sometimes the fake news includes Fox News. Wow. They should know better, uh, but they keep calling January 6th an insurrection, and it was not an insurrection. Coming up next, the bipartisan investigation into the January 6th insurrection devolves. Plans for a bipartisan committee to investigate the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol fell apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not an insurrection. This was not an organized rebellion. This was a protest that went bad um, in large part because of totally incompetent or non-existent security. But this was not an insurrection. You can actually charge someone with insurrection, and nobody here was charged with insurrection. There are a lot of other charges flying around, not insurrection. Um, interesting, though, another thing on Fox. You saw Trump on Saturday night. We all saw Trump on Saturday night, if you're watching Newsmax. And he was great. We just played you the highlights. Fascinating to me that uh, the morning show's Basically didn't mention it. Over there on Fox News Sunday, they had one question about it to one of their liberal uh, guests, and that was it. They spent more time fawning all over the breaking bad guy, Brian Cranston, I think his name is. Yeah, Chris did an interview, and they replayed it with him. You are now one of the most respected actors in the business. It's got to be kind of fun. Oh, it's a blast. It's a blast. I love what I do. I love acting. Oh, that's so nice. But right there, that was longer than they spent on the Trump rally. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what are they thinking over there? I think the audience wants to hear from Trump. Maybe that's just me. Here's something else the fake news loves to do. They love to have fun with alcohol and drinking and setting a bad example. So that's Seth Meyers a left-leaning, occasionally funny, but mostly not lately, uh, late-night guy. And uh, he thinks that this segment is cute, but I actually think it's dangerous. Sometimes you just need to take a break and drink during the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for day drinking. Today, we're going to be day drinking with Lord. Hi, Lord. How are you? I'm nervous. It's water under the bridge. It's water under the bridge. Yeah, so... It's a shot! Guys, this has been... Day drinking. After 18 months of sitting in our 
Apartments with Seth and Lauren. Isn't that cute? 18 months sitting in their apartment. A lot of people use those 18 months during the pandemic, sitting in the apartment or house, to drink. Drinking, day drinking, is uh, not funny. And it wasn't funny here. Lord had to go to the hospital. She needed an IV drip uh, in the aftermath of all this stuff. All right, now take a look at this. A day drinking, drinking, leads to something like 100,000 deaths a year in America. Alcohol-related fatalities and it's ruining life expectancy. It's actually going down in America. Am I being a party pooper? I don't know, maybe, but somebody has to be. I don't think drinking during the day is good. And remember when Hoda and Kathy Lee and now Hoda and Jenna were doing it? I think they finally stopped, but what's his name there? Seth is trying to bring it back. I wonder, actually, I know that these, the driver of this car was day drinking uh, just this past weekend, and look at what he did. He careened into a woman carrying a baby, and the car drove right into a barbershop. Now, fortunately, they have not yet defunded the Yonkers, New York Police Department. Two police officers were nearby, and watch what happened next. The cops are lifting the car and they're going to grab that kid. Someone's going to grab that kid. Grab the baby. Grab the baby. Come on, come on. I got it. I got it. I got the baby. I got the baby. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. Yes. Yes. Baby's going to be okay. The mom's going to be okay. The driver charged with drunk and driving. I just happened to notice again, daytime. Day drinking is, is not cool. And nighttime drinking can uh, sometimes lead to trouble as well. All right, out to uh, Cleveland. You know by now that the Cleveland Indians are uh, no more. They got a new name and they tried to dress this up with some fanfare. Take a look at this. We are loyal and proud and resilient. We protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together, we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Because this is a city we love and the game we believe in. And together, we are all Cleveland Guardians. Nobody likes the new name. What is it, a bank? What is it, a nursing home? Uh, it sounds like an insurance company, the Cleveland Guardians. Indians suddenly is politically incorrect. Uh, why? I don't know. And so inconsistent, these rules, these new, woke, politically correct rules, because the federal government right now has a Bureau of Indian Affairs. Bureau of Indian Affairs. It actually exists. You can go to the website, the United States government, the Biden administration, they've got, they've appointed somebody to lead this uh, agency. Doesn't make much sense. And you can see throughout the country, there are offices, uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. What's the big deal? I have no idea, but that's the way it is. Uh, I don't know if Cleveland gave in or whatever. Um, I'm more of a Met fan. I'm, I'm, I'm only kidding. I don't like baseball anymore. It's too boring. Sorry. Uh, we'll be right back. January 6th, being hyped, being distorted, being exploited. 
I'm all for finding out about the security failures, everything that went wrong that day, but it doesn't seem like Nancy Pelosi really wants those questions answered. More on that in a moment. Uh, one of the questions I have inside the Capitol, why was there only basically one videographer uh, operating? With all the press up there, look at that name, Jaden X in the lower right-hand corner. Now, Jaden X is a Black Lives Matter activist, and he's the one somehow who got all the video footage um, from an on-the-ground perspective. Very little uh, other than security camera footage exists. What was he doing there? Why was he uh, having access to so much? I find that weird. I also will demand that we get answers into who shot Ashley Babbitt and why. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed, and she did not pose a deadly threat to anybody. She did not. It's clear. It's so clear, actually, in this footage. Why did he shoot that weapon? Who shot that weapon? Don't you want to know? I certainly want to know. And it's astounding that the question isn't even being raised, and they don't want to ask it, and they don't want to let anyone ask it at this panel, this commission they want to have. We spoke to Aaron Babbitt, uh, Ashley's widower, not too long ago. They're just lambasting her um, on social media and mainstream news. Um, you know, the term insurrectionist keeps getting thrown around, rioter. Um, to me, she was just a uh, blue-collar American veteran, and I wanted her voice to be heard, and nobody was listening. We talked about that, throwing around the insurrectionist word too casually, not understanding what it means. Well, we're not going to forget her. We're going to keep asking the questions. And anybody who comes on here, Democrat or Republican, they need to start uh, being held to account. You know, what's up with this? Why is everybody brushing this under the rug? Because this is not the way it's supposed to happen. In law enforcement, if you shoot somebody, you got to answer questions almost automatically. I found a shooting, one of the earliest shootings this year in Los Angeles. The earliest shootings by law enforcement anywhere in this country happened in January in L.A. A guy was reported to be stabbing his girlfriend. The cops showed up. Here's what happened. All right, this is tough to watch, but this is what happens now. Body cam footage is released. And not only that, you put out all the facts you have to the public. Everything you know. Los Angeles Police Department has done that. They've actually cooperated with the media, with authorities, and they put out a statement that included the names of the officers who were involved in this, and it's under investigation, and uh, that's the way it's supposed to work. What about the Capitol Police? What are they doing? They're not asking, answering questions. They just make their officers available for phony, glorifying photo ops like this. Look at the heroes. Now, in my book, anybody's a hero just for joining the police department, but sometimes cops make a mistake and you can't hide behind good cops. You gotta answer the questions. And this is insane. Something else that's <laughs> insane, Sorry, but not being pointed out by anybody else. 
all the people who are still in custody as a result of January 6th, and nobody seems to care. Who would be in prison this long without a conviction? This is Kyle Fitzsimmons. He's the only main resident charged in connection with January 6th. Uh, he is facing 10 charges, including inflicting bodily injury on an officer, but he is still in jail. Jacob Fracker, he is still in jail, an off-duty Virginia police officer uh, arrested in the aftermath of the riot. We have Robert Geiswine still in jail, and this guy, uh, Albuquerque Head, that's his real name, uh, still in prison. Now, these guys uh, may have done some bad things, and ultimately they'll be punished, but they're being punished already, and some of them we know, like the Horns guy, didn't hurt anybody, didn't break anything. He's still in custody. This seems excessive. It doesn't seem right to me. Do you think the newest appointees to the commission to look into all this care, uh, looks like Adam Kinzinger will be uh, helping Nancy Pelosi on this, do you think he cares about any of this? Uh, he doesn't. Actually, I know he doesn't. His statement suggests that he doesn't care at all about these matters. Liz Cheney seems to be eager to settle scores only with uh, rival Republicans and Donald Trump. I don't think she really cares about the security failures on that day. They've been listening an awful lot, I think too much, to somebody who was affected by this, Officer Fanone of the D.C. Metro Police Department. Um, his attitude in all of this has been kind of strange. Uh, danger is part of the job as a cop, right? And now he's like a full-time lobbyist uh, against Republicans. It's actually that simple. It's pretty weird. As an American, I believe very strongly in a, in a two-party system. Um, right now, one of those parties has a cancer. And we got to cut it out. That's creepy stuff. And he's a police officer, right? I guess still. And he's running around. Yeah, I, I, I understand he was injured that day. But that doesn't, I think, give him the right to shame lawmakers. And he's wearing his emotions on his sleeve. It's all a little bit too much. We see that from him. We see that from a lot of Democrats. They are using this moment um, for their own personal gain, some of them, like this one. Congressman Crow, Democrat of Colorado. He served in the Army, just ask him. You can do what you need to do with whatever you have available, you know, whether that's a pen or, or you know, other, other common things. So, uh, and of course, if I needed to, to um, you know, ask one of those officers for his gun, I still would have done that. Lighten up, Francis. They can pretend that this was the worst thing that happened to the Capitol since the War of 1812. But when they say that, it's totally ridiculous to the point of it being a great big fat lie. That might just be the big lie. We'll be back with the out-of-control crime situation and some thoughts on the passing of Jackie Mason. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. 
The country's recent rise in violent crime has Republicans trying to blame the defund the police movement and Democrats' hopes of police reform. And when it comes to explaining what's responsible for the uptick, we're now seeing the answer is, well, complicated. Now to our series on policing in America and the troubling rise in violent crimes in cities across the country in the years since the pandemic. That rise in violence comes as the nation takes a renewed look at the role of police in communities. Hmm, a renewed look, and it's very, very complicated. In my book, it's not very complicated at all. If you look at what we went through for the past year with the Black Lives Matter protests and the delegitimizing, the cancellation almost of cops, uh, I think that had something to do with it, don't you? But let's ask the experts, shall we? We have Jim Hansen, president of the Security Studies Group, served in the U.S. Army Special Forces. He's the author of Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. And Heather McDonald, the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, author of The War on Cops, How the New Attack on Law and Order Makes Everyone Less Safe. And it's kind of wild. Uh, Heather, this book came out five years ago. You were ahead of your time. You were seeing things uh, ahead of most people. Heather, <laughs> welcome, first of all. Thank you. What do you attribute the skyrocketing crime to? Is it, in part, the campaign of glorifying those protests over the past year? Certainly it is, Greg. There's just no question. We're seeing a repeat of what I called the Ferguson effect, which occurred in 2015 and 2016, which was the combined phenomenon of officers backing off of proactive policing under the phony charge that they're racist for fighting crime in high crime minority neighborhoods and the resulting emboldening of cops. The first iteration of the Ferguson effect following the false narrative about the Michael Brown shooting in, in Ferguson, Missouri in August 2014 uh, saw the largest two-year increase in homicides in the nations in the last 50 years uh, when cops stopped making proactive stops, they stopped drug enforcement, they stopped getting out of their cars. This last year, we can either call it Ferguson effect 2.0 or the Minneapolis effect in, in honor of the Minneapolis riots after George Floyd's death that spread across the country is far, far worse. This is an unbelievable crime surge. Uh, last year saw likely the largest increase in history, in recorded history in homicides in this nation. And it is all due to the fact that the Democrats, President Biden, candidate Biden, the mainstream media have spent years demonizing the cops and that volume only increased after the George Floyd riots and cops are demoralized. They're not getting out of their cars to make proactive stops and criminals are have free reign and they're killing black kids with abandon. It's incredible. It's sad. And uh, I know there are a lot of people who are guilty here. You mentioned the media and Jim, you know, there are basics to these cases. There are basics to the George Floyd case. There are basics to the Michael Brown case that people don't know because the media never report them. Counter narrative or too complicated or whatever, but too often they just tell the simplest story, which is usually the most incendiary story. Well, that's their game. And it also fits into their larger game, which as Heather mentioned, is to delegitimize policing as a way to deal with crime. You know, there's this magical notion in the fantasy world of the woke left that somehow police cause crime. And any you know, sentient being is well aware criminals commit crimes. Police either deter them, in some cases clean up after them, 
but they are a force for stopping crime, not increasing it. And you got you know brainiacs like AOC saying the problem with with having too many people in prison is we build too many prisons. If we build fewer prisons, we won't have people in prison because magically again the criminals will stop committing crimes. That's not going to happen. They need to see consequences. They need to see cops on the street. Well, the criminals have gotten the memo because they're doing things uh, with abandon. They know they're not going to be apprehended, particularly, Heather, I believe you're in California right now. All over California, we're seeing uh, wanton shoplifting. Uh, shoplifting seems to have been legalized. <laughs> you can just walk right in and walk out. Uh, sometimes you'll run. I see these guys running out of a Neiman Marcus. Uh, but this is uh, kind of commonplace, and it's it's almost racist to call the cops these days. Uh, you're considered a traitor if you call the cops. There really is this, and, and the liberals are going along with it, aren't they, Heather? Well, you're absolutely right, uh, Greg. This is all driven by race. I'm sad to say it, but it is true. We are unwinding the criminal justice system, whether it's at the policing level, at the prosecution level, at the sentencing level. Uh, we're decriminalizing, de-incarcerating, all because the enforcement of criminal law does have a disparate impact on blacks. That is not because the criminal justice system is racist. It's because blacks have an exponentially higher rate of crime commission, especially violent crime. Uh, and instead, for the last two decades, we have been blaming the messenger, which is the police, uh, because we don't want to talk about the very uncomfortable problem of highly elevated rates of black crime. And so instead, what you have is this perverse reversal of what should be the order of society, where in San Francisco, you have 17 Walgreens shutting completely, uh, five, five Costco's reducing their hours, putting their employees out of business, preventing customers from buying needed prescription drugs. They are laying down, they are surrendering. The good people, the bourgeois people are surrendering rather than enforce the law, allowing criminals to take over. This is the sign of a civilization that has lost the will uh, to say that the, the norms of bourgeois behavior, respect for property, respect for life, are not racist, they're colorblind, and they are essential to human survival. Heather McDonald, thank you very much. And as we go to break, Jim, I want you to comment on this, if we could, for a moment. Uh, a cop was performing a traffic stop. He was observed doing this. Let's go ahead and roll it. Hey, bro, what's that? What? What you just threw in here? What's the word? I got, I got you on camera, bro. I got you on camera. We're all good. Hey, bro, you just threw that in here. Yeah. All right. So uh, this video went mega viral, and uh, the police department put out a statement. We take this very seriously. You know, we're investigating. It was an empty bag that he found in the car that he put back in the car. It wasn't. He didn't say that it had drugs or anything like that. And I was just so surprised that the police department. Um, so willingly, potentially, went along with this narrative. I mean, everybody was being surveilled. Everybody had a camera on. Any reaction to this? I, I, it's the fear of being the next police department that commits a mistake that they can use against you. The woke left, again, they want to shut down policing. They don't want anyone arresting people because, again, Heather mentioned it. It's a disparate impact because blacks are committing more crime. 
So you've got a guy who found the other cop found an empty baggie, handed it to the other cop, and he set it back in the car. And they're acting like this is the end of the you know the civilized world. I'm sorry, it's a joke. Police need to be allowed to do their jobs. The good citizens deserve that. Jim Hansen, we appreciate it so much. Your book, Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot, available wherever books are sold. And Heather McDonald from the Manhattan Institute, your book, The War on Cops, How the Attack on Law and Order Makes Everyone Less Safe. It came out five years ago. You, were, you saw it. Uh, it was happening then, but really happening now. Thank you so much to you both. And we'll be right back with uh, final thoughts on Jackie Mason. Thank you, Craig. You know, a lot of people hated Nixon. I always loved Nixon. Compared to these people, I love them. I love a crook who knows his business. <laughs> but Nixon, life was interesting. Every day there was something missing you didn't know why. You could see it, he took it. I used to get up every morning to see if my furniture was there. <laughs> I think Nixon was the greatest genius of political history. The greatest genius. You know what he accomplished? Every week they caught him. And every week somebody else went to jail. <laughs> And he kept saying, oh, I don't know what they're talking about. People said to me, you shouldn't even pick on him. He's got phlebitis. It's syphilis, not phlebitis. <laughs> you can't screw 200 million people and wind up with phlebitis. All right, Jackie Mason, dead at the age of 93. Uh, great comedian. Uh, giving Nixon a hard time there, though. Uh, great delivery, of course. Uh, hey, one of our favorites here at Newsmax is Mark Simone. And Mark Simone knew Jackie Mason for decades. Uh, good friends, they wrote together, they uh, socialized together. He saw Jackie Mason just a couple of weeks ago, and Mark joins us once again. Uh, Mark, first off, so sorry you lost your friend. You guys go way back. Thanks for being with us. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Please don't show old pictures of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what was he like? You know, I saw him uh, the last time was about three weeks ago. We talked about you because he'd uh, become a fan of your show. And uh, he was, uh, listen, he was the funniest guy that ever lived. There are a lot of great comedians, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield type of comedians. But but they just told jokes. My wife is so fat that this and uh, those. Jackie was on a whole other level. He had been a rabbi. So he approached this stuff like a Talmudic scholar. He would, uh, they were brilliant uh, sociology and insightful studies of people. Uh, and hysterically funny. You know, you go to his show and the greatest comedy minds would be there in the audience, Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks and whoever you could name. And I, I'd watch them just shake their head. They couldn't believe how much brilliance was crammed into two hours. That first Broadway show, they did a scientific study, some group that were more laughs per second, uh, per minute, per show than any other place in history. Uh, and it, it just one, you know, he never had to worry about people stealing his material. Nobody else could do it like him. He was a brilliant actor, performer, writer, a genius. So we're gonna get to the Donald Trump angle to all of this, which is a fascinating one in a moment. But first, uh, a little bit more of, uh, of uh, the great one, uh, performing. All great things throughout history were accomplished by one person waking alone, Michelangelo. The greatest painter, in my opinion, who ever lived was Michelangelo. Why? <laughs> Next. Because he painted the whole Sistine Chapel all by himself. By himself. Now, there were thousands of people with brushes. He could have said, Mr. Help out, the ceiling needs painting. Take a look. <laughs> but he never asked for help. Did the whole ceiling all by himself? Took him 30 years because the man was a schmuck. <laughs>
great stuff. But let me go on to the Donald Trump angle to this, because actually Donald Trump, a big, big fan. Here he is with Jackie Mason. By the way, there you are with Donald Trump and Jackie Mason up to the right back when you had a mustache. So uh, Donald Trump studied Jackie Mason. And I want to play this clip from the Rose Garden. You're the one who first alerted us that the tempo, the cadence is very much Jackie Mason. Yeah. And uh, I'll sign the final papers as soon as I get into the Oval Office. And we will have a national emergency. And we will then be sued. And they will sue us in the Ninth Circuit, uh, even though it shouldn't be there. And we will possibly get a bad ruling. And then we'll get another bad ruling. And then we'll end up in the Supreme Court. And hopefully we'll get a fair shake. And we'll win in the Supreme Court, just like the ban. They sued us in the Ninth Circuit, and we lost, and then we lost in the appellate division, and then we went to the Supreme Court, and we won. I remember when that happened, and you pointed out that's Jackie Mason. That's his association with Jackie Mason. That's why he talked like that. Yeah, he was a huge Jackie fan and a, a student of Jackie's. I, I talked to him about this years ago. He studied Jackie, how he spoke, how he composed jokes. And a lot of the Donald Trump jokes, even as president, were Jackie Mason's sort of uh, just brilliant jokes. Well, one thing about Donald and Jackie, they're both New York guys who are highly educated, both very educated. You know, Donald Trump went to Wharton. Jackie was a highly educated rabbi. But they didn't try to sound educated, just the opposite. They tried to sound ordinary in the way they spoke. They, you had to be really secure to do that. And they realized it was a lot funnier. The brilliance disguised as a, as a common touch kind of a speech. And uh, it, it, it was so effective for Donald Trump. Uh, and it, it had the same thing with Jackie Mason. It was so effective that if you, if you were a fake news, uh, left-leaning, uh, boy, did you hate it because it was so effective. <laughs> well, um, great stuff. Great stuff. And uh, we're sorry you lost your friend, your good friend. And uh, I'm honored to know that he was a Newsmax fan. And Mark Sloan. Well, I should say his wife, Jill, 46 years in manager, is watching right now. She's a fan, too. Wow. Wow. Well, again, we're honored. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned... And I don't think a lot of people realize this, a rabbi. He was a trained rabbi and uh, played one, by the way, also in The Simpsons. But he actually studied. Yeah. He was a rabbinical scholar and all that. I'd like to see that picture of you with your friend as we go to break. And uh, what, a, what a moment for you that you were friends with such an icon. Can we see that picture one more time? I know you don't Not like the seeing mustache it, again. Oh, no. <laughs> that's all right. And uh, he's uh, he actually looks a little bit worried about you uh, in that photograph. <laughs> but it's what a great moment. All right. Thanks, Mark. We'll be right back. Thanks.